Australia in four, the United States in five. Off, McKenzie at the bottom, Stubbins above her, Schlanger in six, then to the yellow lane, Henry. Queen start, Newell's got into the water quickly, but so did Joyce. For short of Germany was away well. They'll go to the wall all together, pick that one. Bloomer in fact, ahead of Manuel and Hirsch Amenya. What a shot, Peterson stumps her authority on another 200 breaststroke. Now Henry is starting to come at her. Henry's throwing Linden down. Linden and Henry. Henry and Linden. They hit it. Jody Henry of Australia shading. Jenny Thompson has taken the lead here. The Australians have only won this race once. It was with Dawn Fraser in 1956. Henry's moving away. She's going to win it for Australia. This has been a remarkable last leg. Jody Henry is going to bring Australia home for what will be yes! victory. <laughs> Introduced a podcast like that before. Morning, Welcome Robbie. Everyone, to the Shannon Rollison podcast with Shannon Rollison, and we're obviously kicking off with a bit of Tina because sad news today, Shannon, the passing of uh, a legend, Tina Turner. Yeah, my wife uh, Elspeth um, messaged me while I was on pull deck this morning. So, yeah, another reminder we're all getting older, and uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and Is I was. It- Thinking like you know that uh, when she played that song at the grand final, um, which was nineteen ninety three, mm. she was fifty. Yeah, I'll tell you what, there's a few thirty year olds that'd be worried. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. she she's still going not that long ago. She's still getting around. So that um, energy, <laughs> absolutely. We'll we'll probably play a little bit of that at the back end of it, and we're just talking off air that. You know, especially with the NRL, you've never heard a theme song like that played. And I did listen to it, um, as is what happens when people pass away. There's all sorts of stuff all over Facebook. And they did that live performance. And the thing that struck me was the whole crowd was singing with her. Everyone. It was all in unison. And you could see just how happy she was. I think she was surprised. Like, oh, shit, everyone here in Australia, they all know the song too. And they're all, you know, it was a stadium full of people. You've never seen that again um, at, a, at an NRL grand final. So... Uh, sad news, but yeah, she was uh, obviously a legend of of music. Um, now on to you know more uh, brighter notes, Shannon. Uh, I see you've got a beanie on, so the temperatures definitely dropped down there in Canberra. Did you say brighter? Well, I mean, <laughs> you say you, you you like it down there. That's what you still you love it down hey, there. Love this it. is the coldest May, you know, and we're coming up to near on twenty years of. Uh, Living here, so well with a little break at overseas ventures, but mm. uh, um, yeah, I can't remember May being this cold before. So in the past week, this morning was zero, but we must have had negatives 
you know, for the last eight mornings, it's probably been five of them been negative, minus five on Monday morning and minus four last Thursday. That is very cold. How's the car? How does the car handle the cold? Oh, it's all rugged up in the in the garage, so <laughs> That's all right. where cars belong. It's all rugged up. It's like it's got a nice warm blanket over it, a bit of electric heating. Um, what, what about in the windscreens? Like, are you getting a bit of frost all over it? Have you got to get out and scrape it off, or it's it's all good? No, nah. no. Nah. My my garage carpeted. Oh, <laughs> garage is carpet. Look at him go. <laughs> I didn't put it in. I, <laughs> I'm surprised it's lasted this long, to be honest. Like, uh, I thought, oh, you know, when I bought the house, it's like, oh, this will last, you know, a couple of years and then I'll have to get rid of this 20 years later. It's all good. Hmm. Obviously not too many oil leaks. (laughs) Well, the concrete underneath is pristine. (laughs) Uh, Now, for all the listeners who have joined us, you can already tell by uh, the 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 topic and the heading of today's it's ask Shannon anything. We have done that once before. This is round two. Um, Shannon, I've got some really good questions. Um, People obviously uh, did it on social media. Uh, We had a couple on the, uh, the what's the New South Wales swimming WhatsApp chat. And I had a few people text me and and DM me some questions as well. Uh, So excited to get into those Shannon. But before we do, we always like to get a bit of a, um, uh, an update on how you guys are going down there. You've got what, three weeks out from trials now. How's the, How's the team looking? Uh, yes, so far, so good. So the boys have started tapering. Um, the girls will start next week. And um, Bronte's down. So she's she's trained with the guys for a couple of weeks leading in, and she's going to swim at the trials in the 53. So She must be excited about the minus five. Yeah. <laughs> Monday morning, she got there early. <laughs> can't get through the gates until 5.40 with, yeah. with the swipe pass. But, you know, um, she's pretty pretty diligent and she was there five minutes early, not, you know, not realising or forgetting that the pass wouldn't let her in. Mm. <laughs> anyway, on Monday, I was a little bit early as well because, and I can get in from 5.30. So if I wanted to get in 10 minutes before the swimmers, I can do that. But Ava, Ava was sick, um, so she didn't uh, train on Monday. Uh, she had about three days off, so had a little bit of uh, sickness off the back of the uh, Sydney meet. And uh, anyway, so, so I got there a little bit earlier um, because I didn't have to wait around for Ava to get ready. And um, he, who do I find in the darkness is Bronte. <laughs> and she could hardly speak. <laughs> that thing and jaw. <laughs> but she was pretty much rugged up. I was impressed. She had scarves, beanies, gloves. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, Brisbane minus girl, five. and then she's well, she's living at Bondi or wherever, so she's probably she's not used to minus five, that's for sure. I'm sure she's. Yeah, she um, caught, we caught up yesterday for a coffee, and um, she came prepared this time, which is good <laughs> because, um, as she said, she wasn't prepared for the cold last time. Yes. And it's a lot colder this time, so. <laughs> oh, so yeah, you said the boys are, are tapering now. The girls, what they've got, one more week. Yeah, so they'll start next Monday uh, or Tuesday. They're two weeks out, so, um, so they're still working away, doing a good job. So, been a good prep. So we'll see how we land the plane. And that's right. Well, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that 
because I, I realized I forgot something last time. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Now, is it one plane, Shannon, or are there many planes and we are in the high tower coordinating the planes coming down? Because I thought about this, right? Because as you know, I cop, I cop that it's your saying, but for some reason I tend to cop all the, oh, how's your plane landing going? <laughs> that always says to me, right? Because they don't want to make you cranky. So they, they come and <laughs> give me shit. And then I thought to myself, well, hang on, what if two or three or four of my my swimmers are doing really well and those planes landed and then yeah. a few of the others crashed so are yeah. we all on one plane or no. are we the so we're the conductor in the high tower and we're we're yeah, yeah roger roger coming in for landing some we get right some maybe bounce a couple of times and don't quite get a smooth landing is that more accurate you reckon yeah i've never thought of it that way but yeah there's many planes isn't it mm. you know You've got 30 swimmers and you're tapering 30 swimmers you're not going to get them all right yeah um every now and again you might jag it pretty close but um but in general you know i remember bob bowman once said um a taper is only as good as the preparation so yeah i reckon that's pretty true yeah all right so maybe i was just trying to get out of you know crash and plane so because i started thinking well hang on a second that kid did really well so I'm not going down. My plane's not in a, in flames because that that plane landed really well. That's yeah, you've got to be smart about these things. You jump on that plane. You don't, yeah, exactly. you don't go down. That's, well, that's right. Yeah, and that kid, they didn't swim well because they haven't been showing up. <laughs> they haven't been turned up. That one, that's not on me. That one's not on me. This one. This one is. Uh, yes, I'm glad you mentioned that. I thought about that oh, actually at Nationals because someone said, how's the plane going? I thought... Oh, well, it's actually not going that bad. Like some of them aren't doing as well, but some of them are doing really well. So, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. There we go. Um, all right, let's get into it. So ask Shannon anything. Uh, and we've got some really good questions. I'll just start with a really easy one. Uh, and I'm interested based off what I was watching you watch just before on TV. Um, if Shannon could coach any other sport, what would he want to coach or work with? Mm. that's a good question um i would go with oh, oh that's a tough one actually isn't it <laughs> athletics yeah yeah is that because of the the you know closeness with with swimming and athletics and and understanding the physiology and all that sort of stuff or you've just always enjoyed it or yeah i've just always enjoyed athletics i was um a decent runner when i was younger and uh um liked it at school watched it yeah you know, at the olympics you know um so uh so yeah a track i'd be a track coach or something like that you know shannon was a good what, what was your best distance what did you excel at uh 100 and 200 so um yeah got a little trophy year 12 fastest bloke in the school yeah oh matt shervington himself um what about um well i ran it um i was in the race against um damien marsh yeah you know, yep. schools so yeah. he went to the olympics yeah so yeah well that, that was he gonna won. be my question <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was gonna be my question uh who's who would you, have you got a few favorite runners over the 
course of time? Have you got a, like a favorite? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, in in the, um, the sprinting, um, Ben Johnson. Okay. Um, yeah, I was always in the Ben Johnson camp. Yeah. Um, but I certainly admire Carl Lewis, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, Still very fit, Carl Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's doing some coaching in Texas, eh, or Houston? Houston? Yeah, I think so. Um, Sebastian Coe. Mm. You know, um, so just love the way he, he ran and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, just a good, like, athlete. Just I just love the fact that they're good races, you know what I mean? Um, I was watching Steve Cram highlights the other day. Um, so anything in that 1500, 800, 400. Um, so, uh, Michael Johnson, you know, really liked him. He was probably my favorite in the 90s. Mm. Um, he's a good commentator too. I like listening to him. Um, uh, you know. Flow Joe, you know, probably a question mark, but there's probably a question mark on quite a few. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, just technically, just she was just brilliant, just just effortless. Mm. You know? um, I can't so, remember if we've ever talked about this, Shannon, on the podcast. But what about Kathy's Olympic moment? Um, and I only sort of bring it up because I don't know if there was really anybody else at the Sydney Games that had more pressure on their back to stand up and perform in any sport. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's like – it's hard to quantify, isn't it? Mm. You know, a lot of people say that, you know, you, that's, you're not the first person that said that. Yeah. Um, like you could look at the field, and I'm sure someone smarter than me might have looked at the field and went, oh, well, she should win. Or, yeah. Or she's faster than, or whatever. But French girl re- went home, didn't she? Yeah. But I mean, yeah. you, you go in that yeah, moment. She was the world record holder, and she, she, you know, she was very, was it, what was her name? But anyway, um, yeah, she went home mysteriously. So, mysteriously. Mm. <laughs> Mysteriously, <laughs> uh, if, I, if I had spooky music to play or just some sort of suspicious sounds, I'd play them right now. Mysteriously, yeah, you know what I mean. I, I, yeah, no. I don't know why there was so much pressure on Kathleen. That, yeah, that was probably is my point. Like, why? Why did uh, she have to win? It wasn't the, the defending champion, you know? No, I, I, so, I think. I think, well, A2 also, and we've just come off the back for NRL fans here, we had Indigenous rounds. So I do wonder, as an Indigenous Australian, did, did that add a bit more to it as well? I think so. I think a little bit. What? So all the Indigenous people said that she had to win the race? Oh, they said she had to win it. I just think there was a bit, she was like the, like she just, she was the first, she was just the big. That's all I remember from the Sydney. That was it. Tatiana Grigorieva. Uh, you lost Tatiana, me. the pole vaulter. You don't remember? Oh, yeah. Well, it's, I was just a teenage boy, so she was she she was very high at, at getting over that bar. Let's just say that. So, <laughs> um, anyone who remembers back there, they'll know who I'm talking about. Tatiana Grigorieva. She's blonde. Um, I think she got silver or bronze, or she got it. But anyway, I don't remember that much in terms of Australian. Uh, 
you know, results from, from the athletics at that, those games. Do you? Other than Kathy? Um, Australia. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, um, Jump and Jai. You remember him? The long, was it? The long jump or triple jump? Now I can't remember. Jump and Jai Torina. Remember? Well, I remember now you said it, but like just yeah, off the- He got s- silver. Mm. Tatiana. That's all I remember. Yeah. And Kathy, Kathy with a big suit on, just charging away. And Bruce, Bruce oh, Bruce loved Kathy. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's nothing Bruce McAvoy loved more. Well, he, he's almost the highlight of, of athletics. He's such yeah. a good caller, yeah. as we've talked about. Yeah, no. Bruce. So, yeah, there's my answer athletics. Athletics. Oh, track. On the track. On the track. Um, all right, next question. What other country, if you could, so the stars aligned, the kids are older, they've all packed out of the house, Elsbeth's gone, yeah, all right, where do you want to go? There's opportunities that have come up. Is there any countries in the world that you'd like to go and coach? Oh, this is an easy one. Because people have asked me this since I've come back. Yeah. (laughs) So it'd be um, Scandinavia. Okay. So, um, and, you know, I'd probably say Denmark first and then but any of the other two, you know. Mm. Is that purely just on a living, like you, you just enjoy to live there and work there? No, no, that's purely uh, from an athletic point of view. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now, right, yeah, take, so from a, from take a that living, away from it. Take that away. Okay, so I get that point. I take that away. Yeah. If you're just going to go and you get a good, good paycheck yeah. and you're going to live comfortably somewhere. Yep. And there's not a lot of expectation, if you know what I mean. So you can just chill out and enjoy yourself. Not that you would, because I could see you were just getting down. Going, no, shit, we're gonna if we're at the bottom of this, we're gonna get, we're gonna get higher. But is there a, a country you'd like to live in, or is that the same answer? Uh, well, it could be the same answer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but if I was going to go with that. If that was the premise, it'd be um, probably line ball with the UK. Okay. Um, so I enjoy living in the UK as well. So um, from a pure living point of view, with no uh, high performance, yeah, pressure um, to perform, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, both of those. Uh, But then you then I'd probably say France as well, you know. Yeah. But I haven't lived in France. I've yeah. visited it a lot. But yeah. Ellsworth would probably say France, you know. Yeah. And now you're um, starting to think, okay, this says no pressure to perform. I can just enjoy. It. Okay, all right. Now you're starting to. Yeah. Think but, outside. but my answer would probably be yeah, um, because I've lived in both. Because yeah, visiting and living is two different things, isn't it? You know. So, um, so, I'd, so without the pressure, it'd be either. The UK or or uh, Denmark um, or Norway or you know, Sweden, and then if it was a perfor- a performance, yeah, it'd be a Scandinavian country. Okay, so. I'm interested though. Well, what's your theory behind that? Uh, well, I think perspective. What do you see there that you think? Okay, well, that's very good work ethic. Yeah, um, very athletic uh all all three nations are uh, extremely fit you know with norway being um the fittest um and 
sort of untapped, you know, a bit untapped, I reckon. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Did I ever tell you, just to throw you of Norway people a fit um, theory out the window, did I ever tell you I did the um, Ancestry.com to check yeah. my, my – and I, did I tell you I was Norwegian, a little, like yeah. some percentage? So yeah. Obviously, well, that's what happens when you leave. Spent, no one. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> not spent time there, that's for sure. <laughs> I was so devastated too. I wanted to be Italian or Spanish. That's why I wanted it to, and then, no, nah. no, nah, not not happening for me. Um, what about, I think I might already know the answer to this, but are you a fan of music on pool deck? So not every day, not all the time, but is there a time and a place? Can it help? Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, and that's only come about in the last couple of years. So, right. yeah. what's what's the right time and right place? Is it more of a relaxed day? Do you, is it a certain set? Is it a certain day? Is it just yeah? The flow? Depends on the depends on the music. Yeah. So, um, we have it running quite a bit. So, it's all mine, all Marty's, <laughs> Marty Roberts's music. So. So he what, was playing some music this afternoon. I went, oh, I've got that one. I've got a few, and I've got a few from him. So, <laughs> yeah. what uh, what makes the cut? What what's allowed to be played and what's not? Um. Oh yeah, pretty much anything. But with my playlist, um, so I've a lot of the songs that I've got that like. So I've got some CDs where I haven't, you know that. Obviously, I like that music, but some of that music's not on my um, playlist. But my playlist started out, it, the song had to give me a memory. Mm. Um, and, you know, with Tina Turner, I, I think I'm going to add um, the Nutbush City Limits because yeah, yeah. I've got a good memory from that. Yeah. Um, uh, but goes back to 1987 at a dance in, uh, I think it was the Lewis Hill dance. So we were at um, East Brisbane there. Cut so, the um, Hey, cutting a rug, were you up on the dance floor? Oh, I don't. Yeah, I got. I got the last place I wanted to be was on this stage with like six other guys, and that's where I got pulled up to. <laughs> but I'm glad I did it because I'll never forget. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. So yeah. So my stuff. So so I've got stuff that uh, reminds me of the camp for 2004 um, uh, for the Olympics. I've got. A uh, couple of songs there from the Olympics when Jode won, and the music that they played for that. I've got a I've got a funny song that um, I uh, after the World Champs in 2013, uh, we flew straight to the World Cups uh, into Eindhoven, and I had to follow. Uh, Nick had been he I'd been to Eindhoven before, but only by the train. It was the first time I had to drive. So uh, Nick Juba. He had been and he'd driven from the airport to Einhoven, so he knew the way. So uh, I was going to follow him. And uh, Rega went with Nick and Janetta and Penilla, uh, Janetta Otterson, Penilla Bloom went with uh, it, were in my car. Anyway, this song came on and we all sort of liked it at, at the time. And anyway, I start really headbanging, bopping, <laughs> you know. And um, next minute, the phone rings and it's Nick or it was probably Rega, going, where'd you go? <laughs> they'd, they'd, they'd gone off the freeway and we'd missed it because we were bopping away yeah, and carrying yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So I've, I've got that song on my playlist because it's a funny story. So um, so there's a few of those sorts of things on my playlist, but, mm. uh, yeah. It can happen too when you're getting into it. And they say that's when most of the speeding happens too, isn't it, when, when people are, um, well, A, if they're not just being lunatics on the road, but a lot of the time when you're on the highway, you're just listening to a good song or a song that reminds you of something and you're getting into it and you're, bouncing about and all of a sudden you're about 10 12 k's over what you should be yeah absolutely look out look out so so, you know like we had a song uh, it was a song i added for short course last season and it was um right here right now by fat boy slim Mm -hmm. and that became our theme song you know so we played it for main sets (laughs) it is and guys liked it 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 was good good um before we get off that, is there a bad time to to have music on? Is there a, is there a time when you when you're trying to tell them something? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when you need quiet, yeah. Um, all right, let's get into the next one. Bit of kick, Shannon. Some kick questions. Have you got any favourite kick sets that you like to use? Uh yeah, I've been using it now for about three years. A thousand meters. Thousand meters kick. Is it timed? Is it just do your best? Does it have to be fast? No. Okay. No, no, and no. Okay. And that's the only kicks that I've been doing now for three years. Yep. So you don't do any like speed kick or fast? Some HVOs. Yep. Yep. The odd hundred effort. Yep. With the thousand, are they allowed to socially? Now, you, you know, my swimmers. When you did a session with my guys, they, they love to try and social kick. Can we do social kick? No, we don't do social kick. Can we do social kick? So mm. then I remember you were there said, ask Shannon what happens. No social kick. Yeah. So a 1,000 metres, sure, uh, do, uh, do they start having a bit of a chat or not? No. No. <laughs> First out, uh, fast. yeah, I, I put it on at the end. Yeah. And fastest kickers get out first and the slowest kickers get out last. Okay. How often would we be doing this a week or a Lots. fortnight or, hey? What'd you say? Per week? Yeah. Oh, you just froze. Yeah, I know. You just froze too. You just made yeah. a weird face. That's what they tell me too. Um, well, yeah, per week. Oh, uh, six, seven times a week. Okay. Uh, sometimes only five. All right. So it's always at the end of your session. So yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, at the end of just any session, does it matter what sort of type set you were doing? No. no. Okay. No. So into there you go. I bet you whoever asked that question didn't think a thousand kick was going to be the answer. Yeah, they were looking for something magical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. The follow-up to that, and I guess you kind of just explained it, how, how much kick should you be doing, do you think, in your programming each week? Uh, between 10 and 20%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, and would you would you still go along the theory the same way of just, you know, you're doing aerobic kick at the moment? That's. Yeah, hey, I only do aerobic kick. Okay. All right. So that's that's what, there you go. You ask the questions, you get the answers. As you said, you probably weren't. They're looking for a special, you know, secret little set that. Yeah. I reckon it is special. Yeah. 
It's taken me 30 years to find it. <laughs> Did you get much? I'm assuming by now that everyone's just, okay, all right, here we go. Grab your boards or or however they do it. Um, yeah. Did you get much pushback at first? Like, oh, 1,000? Yeah, well, we we started out of COVID. Yeah. It was one of those 10-week shot, uh, shutdowns. And um, so we started off at 500 metres, and then we I just added 100 every week. And we got to a thousand, and then we did a thousand for two weeks, and then we, um, I, 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 in my head, I was going to change it up and go back to what I'd normally done for you know for years, mm. and um, we did a hundred effort, and we had massive PVs. Yeah. Um, and this has been the the worst kick group I've ever ever coached, and I tried everything, all the little tricks over the years that I did everything yeah anyway i was like well so then i thought oh i'll just keep doing this then until i don't know might have been the december state champs meet or something gave him another effort kicks uh 100 effort kick that did more pbs Mm. i went bugger it (laughs) i call it chop wood haul water chinese proverb (laughs) Mm. if you can't chop wood and haul water don't swim there you go. See, you're getting all sorts of wisdom <laughs> on the Shannon Rollison podcast. Um, now, just in terms of kick, can be any kick. So, breaststrokers do the whole thing breaststroke. Can they mix it up? Do they do it the same stroke the whole way? Uh, it all depends. So sometimes I go fifty percent best stroke. You know, well, that that's that I can change around. Okay, that's the variation of it. Yeah. Just trying to get the question because I know that whoever asks it, you know, they're going to be thinking different questions. So I always try and get the questions out. Now, this one's from Robbie at Peakhurst. So get ready for this one. Are you ready? <laughs> well, I'm, 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 I'm excited about this question. Now, swimming here in Australia in terms of coaching, we're, we're always talked to about long-term athlete development. Yeah. However, to be successful as a coach at an age group level, you have to get short-term success. Yeah. So we're preaching long-term athlete development, but we're rewarding short-term athlete success, if that makes sense. So if you've got a 13-year-old who's firing on all cylinders and you're cracking the whip and you get the results that, you know, and we're pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing, we get results versus coaches who might be trying to play the long game and, all right, you're 13, six sessions a week five sessions a week build it up build it up yeah is there a better way of of doing it are we doing it the right way what does shannon rollison think is there a different format formula because we we're we're talking about long term but we're rewarding short term so it really just means you either you either get get in on it now and, and push 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 or are you being patient and playing the long game for maybe the like it's not going to come your way if that makes sense yeah so it's a good question and the answer is um we've taken uh, a a piece of something and applied it to our culture to our environment um and we've taken it from somewhere else and the whole system hasn't changed to implement, right? So people talk long-term, but absolutely. 
um, you can lose your job because you've got a long-term strategy and your boss and the school or the club or the parents, name any of them, all three or one of, uh, has got a short-term view. So um, it's really a, um, a European-type philosophy. Um, so if you look at um, a lot of the European way of coaching, it's all towards that long-term development, right? They, they, you know, not every European, all right, but I would say majority, you know. Um, so, you know, they go through school and school's about doing different things and swimming a bit and then, you know, they have European uh, championships and things like that, but they're thinking about swimming into well into their 20s. Yeah. So, and then... Yeah, the club system in Denmark, so a little bit like, you know, what we had years ago when the club had learned to swim and had everything. So everything was in-house. So, you know, I I think it's similar in the other Scandinavian countries as as well. Um, But anyway, in Denmark, it was, you know, you had the number one coach or that, that person might be called the head coach. Then you have the number one coach, number two coach, number three coach, number four coach. Sometimes I'd meet the number five or six coach. Mm-hmm. I think, oh, how many numbers is there? <laughs> you know? And that was all dependent on how big the club was. Yeah, A small club in Denmark was like 600. And a big club was like five, 6,000. Mm. And so that, in, but that included learn to swim. All right. And then say you, you coach for a period. So say that the number four coach is coaching the 11 and 12-year-olds and then the number three coach coaches uh, the 13 and 14-year-olds and then the next, uh, the number two coach coaches the 15, 16-year-olds and then so your job is to coach these people for two years and then hand them on, move them up. So you've got to do a good job with that particular age group Mm. and... Now, I didn't coach in those club clubs, but if I was the head coach of one of those clubs, I'd be saying to each of those coaches, these are the things that I want developed at this age. Mm. So, you know, um, and that's all you've got to do. Um, and, and then you hand them on. You know, it's funny, like, we have this ownership of people, you know. Well, you can't have that ownership in that environment, can you? You know, you're you're looking after that swimmer for two years, and then they're moving on to the next coach, and then he's look he or she's looking after them for the next two years. So, I, I really like that system, you know. But you can see how it's not going to work here, you know. Yeah. So, um, the UK's model's a bit like our model, you know. So, um. And talking to people in the UK, having worked there, but even when I was talking to Nick Juba, when we were both in Denmark and we were talking about the two different styles, you know, and, and he was saying, you know, a lot of the UK kids get bashed um, swimming-wise. Um, I'm talking here. Um, <laughs> the way you so, with that. Yes. Uh, and that's what... Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our great sponsors, DMC Fins. DMC fins are the best training fins in the business. Just have a look around in everybody's kit bag on pool deck, and there's a pair of DMC fins in there. 
swimmers, surfers, they're all using DMC fins as their choice of aquatic propulsion. Even superstar Cody Simpson is using DMC fins to help with his training towards Paris 2024. Head over to dmcfins.com.au right now for all the latest deals and discounts on fins as well as hand paddles and other training aids and use the promotion code OFF THE BLOCKS for a 10% discount at checkout. All right, so we've had another pause in internet. I'll tell you what, Shannon, the Picos internet, if we need to get something happening out here because it's just too many freezes, too many pausing. Mm. Um, now, we were listening to your chat about um, how the – Teenage British people got beat up. Um, now, I don't know. You did say in the pool you did make sure we, we heard the part <laughs> before it froze. Because I thought, where's he going with this story? They're, they're getting beat up. What's that got to do with swimming? <laughs> I, meaning that they get trained quite hard at, at a yes. young age. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, so you've got this long-term um, system, mm. but it, it's right all the way through. You know, uh, in Denmark, and so we've sort of, you know, heard bits and pieces, tried to, you know, bring them in, but our system's really not geared to it. You know, mm-hmm. so, so at the end of the day, you've just got to make the choice. Uh, you know, what sort of what style of coach do you want to be? You know, so, um, but obviously, if, if you're just coaching thirteen and fourteen year olds, you're either going to do a good job with them or a bad job. So. So that's what I liked about it. You know, you could start to see who was good because, you know, that was their responsibility. Um, and then, you know, what happened over time is that coach that was good started getting moved up. So they might go from a number five coach to a number four coach, you know, and they might be the number one coach ready waiting in the wings. So, yeah. So there was a coach pathway as well. Yeah. Yeah, we're here. You kind of, you know, if you want that recognition, you got to, you got to push a bit harder to get it. Sometimes, if you're playing the long game, you might be waiting a while, eh? Especially at yeah. that junior, at the junior level, uh, especially for sure. Um, next question: What's the best part about being a coach? Um, seeing your work, you know, seeing seeing. Uh, uh, swimmers achieve their goals, um, and I think yeah, it's you know teaching you know it can be from teaching someone how to do butterfly to uh, someone making their first state final to first state medal to first national medal, seeing them on the um, you know that at national age championship standing on the dice. Oh, sorry, no, okay. that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> Oh, you know some. You know uh, Ben Tuxford, Trinity head coach. Shout out to Ben Tuxford. Did put on the group chat um, what Shannon's thoughts on national age. So he obviously had a he enjoyed our our last podcast that we put out. <laughs> oh, so I thought that was a, a funny one. So that's aired already, has it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's I out think... there. It's it oh. is, yeah. I'm still walking around, so that's good. Cool. <laughs> that one's bumped me off. <laughs> um, no, you, you're right, though, you, especially uh, in terms of, you know, what we do. Sometimes you get um, a buzz just out of the little things, isn't it? Yes, it's it's that gold yeah, medal. There's, or the, there's lots of them, isn't there, yeah. you know? So that's the best thing about coaching. And some of the coaches that have 
left coaching and they're sort of in um you know that education piece and uh uh they they struggle and i've heard this on numerous occasions they all say the same thing one-on-one they say it so it's it's not in a group setting or anything Mm. um they they struggle with they don't know if they're having an impact yeah but when you're coaching on the deck you can see the impact so yeah you can see it yeah in results in numbers as a head cut like if you're looking at the performance of the team or building a group or building you know yeah. That, yeah there's lots of different ways for sure uh here's one that'll here's one that'll get you going now i didn't frame this is just word for word how the question is is put okay when will new south wales be better than queensland in swimming oh what timing <laughs> <laughs> we had a meeting about this uh, yeah. during the week. Yeah. And as you can imagine, it's not the first time we've had a meeting about this and it will not be the last. <laughs> yes. But um, I guess there's many ways to have this. Quite, that, as I said, literally word for word, that's how the question was, was written. Yeah. Um, I, I guess there's many different layers to that question, though. Yeah. Now, look, um, you know, a, a point that I made uh, during the week was, so at age nationals, we had five out of the top ten. Uh, and everyone that was at that meet or it, people can look it up on results, five clubs out of top ten, great result. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not the first time that's happened. It's better than last year. Last year was pretty good as well. I think probably if you looked at the last three years, it's building. So that's good. Um, but if you had that day off and then we're at the next meet, uh, the cruise club were 11th the last time. I think, yeah, so we had one night to go and I haven't looked up the results, but with one night to go, we were the second New South Wales club. Uh, I think Knox were in front of us in 10th. This is at Open Nationals, you're saying? That Open Nationals. Yep. So, so again, I, I didn't look at the final mm-hmm. uh, result, but where's our footprint at Open level? There is no footprint. So, you know, so when people are looking at, oh, how am I, you know, who's going to look after my swimmers when they get older and all that sort of stuff, they, they're looking, uh, you know, McDonald's and Coke have got a great footprint, haven't they? Our, ours, we just, ours just doesn't exist. Um, and, uh, you know, when you look at the hub programs um, and they're the SAL hub programs, you know, like the ACT one isn't an SAL hub program, um, but they've got, they're identified very, very well. You know, everybody knows uh, that, Michael Bowl and that hub program is aligned to Griffith University. Mm. Um, Vince Rowley is aligned to the Chandler Swim Club. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> then you've got the other big clubs up there, St. Peter's Western, you know. They, they've got a, they've got a footprint now that's probably not too dissimilar to Coca-Cola. You know, <laughs> yeah. someone was yeah. telling me they've got like 80 people on the waiting list. Yeah. Um, 
the, the I think the worst thing, uh, you know, I've been at the ACT hub now for five years, and we've, yeah, and it was decided by people, and, and I didn't think it was that important at the time, you know, that that they'll swim with whatever club they'd, they'd been in. And I have coaches saying, who do you coach? Do you coach Kayla Hardy? Like, I've been coaching her for five years. Yes, <laughs> Kayla Hardy. Now, if coaches don't know who you coach, how are parents sitting in the grandstand going to know who's doing a good job, right? So, you know, a lot of my guys are in the cruise club now. Yeah. And there's a couple of reasons for that. And and Norm, um, the biggest reason is, you know, uh, the swimmers ended up voting with their feet, really. Um, I, I won't go into it any anymore. Um, yeah. But um, it was a natural nut- nutrition sort of thing. But they all have a great sense of belonging to something now as well, and they want to do relays and, and things like that. So it's been quite good because people want to belong to something, you know. Yeah. So I think one of the, you know, from my experience the last five years, it was a big mistake not to have an identity with our hub program. And I think um, we've got to, as a state, um, I, I think there's people in New South Wales would rather their swimmers go to Queensland than go to the club next door. Mm. All right? You know, and there's been clubs that have written letters of complaint and, and things like that. But do they write letters of complaint to Queensland? You know, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so we've, you know, we've got to. It sort of gets back to what I just talked about. With we're going to stop thinking we own people. Yeah. We've got to realise that people come into your program when it suits them, and they'll leave. All right. Uh, economically, the faster swimmers get, the less money you're going to make. Mm-hmm. Um. And we've got to be doing the right thing by our swimmers and then they'll perform better. Uh, we will perform better as, as a state. Right? Um, some of our top club programs, they've probably got to start looking at whether they've got the room. I mean, I don't know this. This is, you know, yeah, yeah. But have they got the room to facilitate a group of senior athletes because from a money monetary point of view the, as i just said the faster they get the less people you can have in the lane the less income you make your money with the younger kids yeah so are, are they financially stable uh and in a position to to do that are they in a position to be able to go away um as often as required and and if they want to you know go to dance at the big table, they've got to make sure that their clubs can look after those types of athletes. If, if they can't, then I would like to think that they would be going, hey, look, and, and that happened to me with Isabella Johnson, you know. Um, coach came up and said, you know, would you look at this athlete and, you know, would she suit your program, blah, blah, blah. We need a bit more of that sort of behaviour. Mm. Um, looking after the best interest of, of the swimmer. You know, 
we, you know, and this came up, we, we've got to make sure that we're not trying to be jack of all trade, master of nothing, you know. If a swimmer doesn't suit your program, and this goes for whether you're in a club or whether you're in, in a hub program like myself, just be honest and say, no, look, we haven't got anyone else that trains that sort of way or, you know, how about you go to um, Robbie, you know, because Robbie's coaching three other athletes in that sort of field. So, you know, I think that's all those sorts of behaviour, you know, putting um, is going to help New South Wales. Um, I still think, uh, you know, we need um, – so apart from, you know, having a bigger footprint at Open Nationals, there's people sitting in the grandstands. That's what they're seeing, the cap in the water, the result. Just um, on that, Shannon, just quickly before you – because I know I'm going to forget my train of thought. I know what it's like. You're going to start talking about something else and then you're going to – I'm going to go, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going to forget what you just spoke about. In terms of coaches not wanting to maybe, you know, pass kids along or holding on too long or, you know, feeling yeah. like they can do something that potentially an outsider looking in, as you said, might say, oh, I don't know if that program's right. Just putting myself in that position as someone who's ambitious, who's been in the game now for 20 years, who obviously yeah. wants to do something. You've got swimmers that you've, you've produced and you've brought through that are 16 you know, coming through, finaling at nationals. They might not quite be on the dais or <laughs> up in the corner um, <laughs> grabbing, a, grabbing their ribbon off the, off the table, um, as you much appreciate. Um, but, they, but they're on the way. They're developing the right way through. Obviously, you know, we can look at that and go, okay, well, maybe we should pass them on. But as, a, as I guess from a coach who's in that position, could be hard because you, you're ambitious and you want to strive. So how would a coach, I guess, get to that position then if they weren't trying that, if that makes sense, you know? If all coaches, I guess, look, I always think if you don't really want to be the best coach in terms of get to the top, which, you know, I do and a lot of other coaches are ambitious and, and want to, then sometimes I think you're just sort of spinning in circles. You, you should want to be the best, I yeah. believe. So, you know, it would be hard to get to that level if every time we got to a certain point, we just moved them on because then where's our progression as coaches as well? I guess that's probably from a selfish perspective where some of the coaches would come from. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we'd have to look at that too in terms of, okay, well, that's progression for the kids. How do we help the coaches progress yeah. as well? So you've got to, it gets back to what I just said. You've got to make sure your environment can cope with that yeah so you know i you know coached for 12 years at the chamber yeah no hub no nothing yeah we'd have a hundred swimmers if we didn't have a hundred swimmers we, we weren't going to pay the lane fees which were back in the 90s 25 dollars an hour per lane you know um people were getting paid a lot more than what I was getting paid, mm. right? There was a there was a quantifiable uh, uh, amount of money you could get paid at that club and the assistant coach, right? Because you, you, we were just limited to, by space, and you know back then how much you could um, you know uh, charge swimmers and stuff like that. So after twelve years and getting all the way. You know, five Olympic gold medals. I re I knew 
I just couldn't do it again in that environment. Yeah. And if I had stayed, the club would have suffered because what I needed to do was, un you know, Jody uh, Henry and Alice Mills, they needed to be senior athletes and, and I needed to be going away more. Yeah. And when you looked at, and when I looked around, you know, at John Cruz program and, you know, with Kieran in the 90s and stuff and Dennis Cottrell and, um, when you start going away, your club suffers. And, and I knew how hard it was, you know, on my journey. And it's why I made the, the decision to go to the AIS. Mm. Um, so, you know, it would have been great if someone had come along and said, Hey, Shannon, you know, you can just coach these six swimmers, uh, or eight swimmers or 10 swimmers, and we're going to pay you X and we're going to put a, another coach in underneath. Uh, and they're going to, you know, you're going to mentor them. Um, and that's going to allow you to head off and do what you need to do. Uh, and the club will still keep, you know, running along. But that's no one did that back then. All right. And yeah, that's, I mean, maybe it's happening now. I don't know. Yeah. So I, um, if you want to go on that journey, you got to, you got to go on that journey, right? How, how, yeah, we, we, we talk about being committed mm. for our swimmers. Well, how committed are you? Yeah. As a coach, do you really want to be a top coach or do you just want to get, you know, like if, if you're coaching in a school, I, I think schools are limited. I really do. Right. I've never worked in one, but I think they're limited. I do know that they'll pay really good money. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there, there's there's uh, uh, schools now who, no doubt, are getting paid as much as I was when I was the head coach at the AIS. Mm. Two vastly different things. All right. Um, but you know, some people they, they want to be the best coach in the world. Well, uh, or in Australia. Okay. Well. Um, we're going to set up this program. We're going to put it in Canberra. Um, oh, no, I don't want to go and live in Canberra. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you don't want to be the best coach in the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how many coaches get up and go overseas? Mm. All right. Um, how many coaches are willing to move into state? Yeah, I just, I'm not seeing that much. Yeah. They want to stay where they are. The environment's not good enough, but they want to be because they just want everything. Mm. They want to live by the beach. They want to surf in the morning. They want to coach six swimmers. They want to get paid 200 grand, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, it's uh, if, you, if you're a young guy, yeah, you got to be prepared to move. All right. If you're not prepared to move, well, I'm not saying you're not going to make it from where you are, but the chances of you making it are probably slim. Yeah. Because swimming's, you know, it's a big, like I, I was, I, I was like 80 days and the, the most when I was at the AS was 110. So, you know, 80 and I was saying no to stuff. So, you know, 
swimmers going overseas and all that sort of stuff and making teams. Mm. How's your club going to survive when you're not not there? You know? So. So just um, in terms of, uh, you know, if there are coaches in those sort of environments, for example, so you've got, um, I'm just playing devil's advocate here now and, this conversation is sparking more questions. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. So let's say you've got someone. This you question know, was I, New South Wales question, wasn't it? it well, yeah, let's, yeah. It was. You know, we could talk for an hour on this. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I've always wanted to get um, uh, QAS and uh, New South Wales coaches on a podcast one day just to have a, a, yeah. a great discussion. Well, and, you know, while I do think of it and I forget we need New South Wales coaches going overseas. Yeah. There's too many good New South Wales coaches who haven't got any overseas experience. Mm. So we're expecting them to be able to coach at a level that they've never even seen. Yeah. So th there's there's uh, another one of the problems. Yeah. So we need we need some money. We need a good sponsor, you know. Oh, for sure. Um yeah, my question was going to be about, say, for example, and let's just use Cam from Moringa because we're, we're good mates yeah. and I know he won't mind me just saying his name on the podcast. He's probably driving right now going, oh, look, I've got to mention. Uh, obviously, Moringa did really well at uh, state, um, at so national age. They've got a, a, a lot of kids coming through and developing and, and some really good junior um, athletes who are not far away from becoming senior athletes. So is your advice... To, to someone who's in that position to to have a look at your program structurally now and set yourself up if you want to go on that journey with them you need to start looking at your program and setting yourself up yeah that like walking before you run rather yeah. than just going oh we're here now and all right i've got these 10 guys and i'm going on my trips and as you said you, you're going to be away and obviously then the program suffers so how far ahead do you need to look at it should you be like four, five years ahead of this, two, three years? Do you, like, obviously can't click your fingers and go, oh, we're going to make some structural change. You've got to, by the sounds of what you're saying, you've got to, you know, see the future and go, okay, if we're going there and I want to go on that journey, and I, I know Cam would love to be on these trips, so he's not going to shirk his position in terms of going on trips and getting out there. So he's got to set that up. Well, and, and as you said, there's five of the clubs uh, in his position, I'm just using him as the example. Mm. Is that sort of what you're saying? Have a look ahead and go, okay, well, if these guys are on that trajectory, I've got to set the club up in the next year or so to be ready for me to go on that journey with them and it still work behind me. Yeah. Yeah, the, absolutely. I was having uh, dinner and um, Leanne Speechley uh, said to me, oh, do you ever think, you know, do you think ahead much? And I've gone, oh. I wish I could stay in, in, in the moment more often. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, of course you've got to be thinking ahead, you know, in this scenario. You've got to, you'll be looking at your pool going, hmm, you know, uh, from a financial structure, oh, I need 10 more swimmers, others are not paying the bills. Uh, or, you know, your you, you coaching path, of course you've got to be doing that. Like, because if you're not, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have 15 kids in a lane. You're going to coach for another year. 
you're going to think you're going okay and you're going to go to nationals and it's going to be not what you thought, nowhere near as good as the previous year. Uh, and your best swimmers who have already been disgruntled, but they've stayed with you. So, uh, and mum and dad in the grandstand, they're going to, right, we're moving them mm. because they've been training with 15 other swimmers. They're another year older and they're chatting to their friends that are in some other club who aren't in that predicament and they go, oh, well, that's the reason. And before you know it, they've let, you've lost your swimmer. Yeah. Right? So, and, and the coach is always the last to know, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know? Tom Talbot said to me, I was saying to Chris Myers yesterday, best advice I ever got back in the mid-90s. You're a train driver. The swimmer gets on your train when it suits them and they get off the train when it suits them. You just got to make sure you do the best job you can when you're coaching that person. Now, he said this to me on an athlete I had on an Australian team and I'd coached that athlete for like four years put them on their first team, I'm on the team, 1997, they were leaving me before the meet started. <laughs> you know? Uh, so yeah. So I hadn't even had this, they hadn't even performed bad and they were leaving me mm. to go to a hub-style program, which was the QIS program back then. You know, it was the only one. Now, they went on, broke an Australian record at that meet, that had stood since 1984, and they still left. So you can do everything what you think is right, and yeah, people yeah. will leave, you know. But it was great advice because I wasn't in a good place when, you know, when I was in the training camp in Singapore. Mm. So, you know, always remember every there, there isn't a swimming coach that hasn't had a swimmer leave, leave them. So... Yeah. No, it's good advice, and and I think, and, and I guess sometimes the reason I sort of ask different questions or come about it differently is just to give people that different perspective. And I, I think you know what you're saying is really good in terms of have a look at your program. If you can set it up to go on that ride with them, if you if they're on, you know, getting the gold medals at 16, 17 now, and they're making those junior teams, and you can see the trajectory. If you're not setting it up. Or have a look and if you assess it and feel like, and I'm assuming you can correct me if I'm wrong, but if you assess it and, and you look and go, oh, I don't think we can financially do mm. this, well, then you're still a step ahead, aren't you? So now you can then, instead of, you know, now you're planning, or oh, Shannon or, you know, wherever you, you know, obviously you're close to you, um, somewhere uh, up the coast, um, there's a, a great Newcastle hub now. Um, so depending on where where they are, there are ways to do it, but have a look and assess. And it, yeah, as you said, financially, uh, structurally, if you can do it, but you just need time to set it up, and you've got that time, yeah, go ahead. But if you look at it and financially you can't do it, or you're not in that position to go on the ride, well, then as you're saying, don't be selfish. Have a look at it and go, all right, well, this this swimmer's destined for something that I'm I'm not at that stage or capable of going. Yeah. Now, um. The uh, the longer you coach someone, the harder it gets. The faster they get, the harder it gets. You with me? Yep. You still want to coach? <laughs> um, <laughs> what happens, you, you coach someone for six, let's say you coach someone for seven years. Yep. They go, they keep improving for six. 
They have a, a terrible seventh year. They leave you. Wouldn't it be better if you'd coached them for four and you moved them on? Yeah. All right, in this scenario, Stephen Holland, his, his father, Roy Holland, he would coach you until you're about 12 and then he'd send you to Laurie Lawrence or uh, um, the Chandler Club, uh, which was called Karina Chandler back then. But he'd, he'd move you on if you were any good, right? Anyway, someone close to me, my mother, <laughs> when I left Camp Hill and moved to Chandler, she was trying to hang on, right, to, to the swimmers. And, and she was saying to me, and I, and I said, Mum, what did Roy Holland do? Anyway, she knew what he did. He moved them on when they were Is it Everyone thinks Roy Holland, best coach. No. <laughs> He was never found out. <laughs> he was just a great junior coach. Yeah. Better to be great at something than not. Yeah. And so, yeah, and you can apply that all the way along a swimmer's career, right? So it might be up to the they finish school, right? They're off to uni. Oh, where should they go? Oh, should I try to keep this? No, no, send them to uni, wherever that is, blah, blah, blah. But my point is, you know, it's better to – Bill Sweetnam talks about this sort of stuff. Better than, than, for them to have left on a high and always have fond memories because one of the worst things in coaching, you know, we talked about the question was what's the best. One of the worst things is you can do a great job and they only remember the, the last 12 months or that last swim meet, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, I, what I can't stand athletes, you know, they get interviewed so they've coached trained with someone for seven years and, you know, they've taken them from here to here. And um, this generally happens, you know, when you're at that senior level. Anyway, um, they might might have taken them 20, 20 the, the one I've got in my head, just like, you know, never will know one onto the Australian team, became an Olympian, you know, and they go, oh, yeah, it was so bad. I was so unhappy. Uh, and now I've changed coaches and now I'm with uh, such and such and it's just the best. We couldn't have been that unhappy. You were there with them for seven years. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But they're just talking about that last little bit. So, yeah, I just think that's sad, you know, yeah. and um, because it obviously wasn't bad. Yeah, um, yeah. It, so happens, it happens a lot at age group level too, Shannon. You see a lot of these swimmers, uh, you know, making their first age nationals and doing really well. And so well, they're obviously enjoying it. Yeah. All of a sudden they plateau, as you said, and, and at the higher age group, it obviously is a longer plateau, but they plateau a little bit. All of a sudden, as you said, there's a fallout. You go to the next program and what do you hear the parents say straight away? Oh, you know, they were just getting stale in the program. The program didn't progress or they're not happy anymore there because, you know, well, they were obviously happy for a while. They did a good job. Like they've obviously developed this swimmer. They've done, they wouldn't have made it that far if they didn't yeah. go through that process and develop them. So, you know, and I've, I, I for sure understand. Now, um, well, on that, yeah. right, there's two more things. And that word you just used, development, let's, let's just make it clear. It doesn't matter how old they are, they are developing. Yeah. You don't stop developing at 15. You just develop them for that period of time. And that's what I mean by, Whenever you're coaching someone, they can be 20. You're still developing them. They are still moving forward, and they'll be developing in other other areas, you know. Yeah, it can be, you know, dealing with 
things that you have to deal with when you're 20 and you didn't have to deal with when you were 12, you know. But this whole notion that someone developed someone, well, everybody's that's that's your job as a coach. You're you're developing no matter when you your time with those that person was. Mm. The other thing, getting back to our original question. <laughs> we definitely could do a whole podcast on this yes. question. Yes. And about this footprint, you know. So when I um was watching the Age Nationals, the commentary, it's just it's so biased to Queensland, it's not funny. Mm. So they're Queensland athletes talking about Queensland. You know, some of them have been, you know, their coach and they just you know, obviously have got a relationship with their, their coach that's still coaching, and it's just heats, finals, shoved down their throat. Queensland, Queensland, Queensland. You know, um, there's there a 15-year-old, and they'd moved from Victoria to Queensland, and I heard this on six occasions. Basically, every time she hit the water, they kept saying the same thing. Mm. This swimmers packed their bags. They've left Victoria. And look at them go now, you know, and this swimmer's blitzing them. Yeah. I'm thinking, geez, wow. So I look up. When they were in Victoria, they were the Australian record holder. Yeah. <laughs> it was made out that, you know, they were a swimmer. Yeah. I, I actually went up to the coach. I felt sorry for him. I went up to the coach. I said, geez, you copped a roasting. <laughs> so, you know. So we've got that as well carrying on, you know. So uh, it, it it is a big issue on many fronts. Mm. Well, I'm I'm glad we brought it up. I'm glad the question was raised. Um, we're definitely going to, I, I think, dive into it. And I'd like to dive into it, as I said, maybe with a few special guests one day to um, to have a bit of a robust conversation, let's just say. So um, I think it would be fantastic. And it's all good stuff anyway i always think any conversations like this is always good as long as something gets done out of it it's mm. always good to have a great conversation in it but quite often it never leads anywhere you always sit there you're right oh yeah 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 good idea good idea and then the next year the same things go on so um i think we've got to start to implement some of these great ideas that people are coming up with but i'm looking forward to it now um we're going to wrap it up shannon because obviously i think we could go on for ages i do have a few more questions but um I'll, I'll hold that over for round three of the ask shannon anything um but uh we'll let it go and i'm going to finish today we'll, we'll go out with a bit of tina you're simply the best because you know who does it and i guarantee you if you're driving along you're going to hear it and start singing along because it's a it's a banger as they say um what do you got on for how's your cooking going anyway what are you cooking today before we go Spaghetti. Oh, bloody hell. Come <laughs> on, Actually, I had a really good question too about work-life balance and things, and uh, I'm going to have to hold it over for next time. It's something to do with all this other stuff, but it's fine. We'll let it go. Um, for all the listeners out there, thank you very much for joining us once again. Um, hopefully you enjoyed that. Hopefully you enjoyed the bit of – sometimes we get a bit niche, don't we? We talk Queensland, New South Wales swimming or things like that, but – Truth be told, a lot of our listeners are New South, New South Wales or Queensland coaches. Uh, so, you know, it, it kind of um, does fit in. For any Victorian, I do know there was a few Victorian coaches who do listen, so I do apologise. 
Um, <laughs> we, we just get stuck because obviously I'm from New South Wales. I coached in Queensland. You're from Queensland. You coached out here in New South Wales. So sometimes we just get a, a, a bit stuck in our bubble. Uh, but we will try and uh, be a bit varied where we can. Uh, until next time, though, guys, have a great weekend. Enjoy yourselves, uh, and we'll see you all next week. See you later. Thanks, guys. Coffee time.
Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by Pro Swim Workouts. Nico and the team at Pro Swim Workouts have been supporters of the podcast from day one and continue to support the show and the coaching community more broadly with their platform, proswimworkouts.com. Head over to the website right now and become a member to receive all the exclusive content, whether it's programming, in and out of the water, thought-provoking articles, or even just sharing of ideas. It is a one-stop shop. And for all those just looking to browse, head over to proswimworkouts.com to find free workouts, podcast tips, jobs available, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? I'll say it one more time. Head over to proswimworkouts.com right now and let Nico know that Off The Block sent you. 